Hello and welcome to the e-commerce playbook podcast. My name is Andrew Ferris and I'm so glad you've joined me for a really, really exciting episode today for multiple reasons. The first of those is that if you can't tell, I now have a buttery smooth sounding voice, or at least I hope I do. We'll find out when this happens. We have upgraded the audio setup of the e-commerce playbook podcast, much thanks to the team at Common Thread Collective that uh, makes this happen. Uh, so very, very exciting day. Um, and that's not the only reason. The second reason is more related to what this show is. If you have been following along for a while, you know that what we do on this show is go through the journey of 4x400, which is the D2C brand holding company that I have the uh, privilege of leading. Uh, 4x400 acquires, operates, and grows e-commerce brands. And uh, one of our newer brands, uh, you know, I keep saying that, but we've had these brands for a little while now, um, is uh, Modern Fuel. Uh, Modern Fuel makes incredibly well-engineered, um, beautiful, um, everyday carry, writing utensils, pens, mechanical pencils, that sort of thing. And a uh, really beautiful, amazing brand that we were really privileged to bring on last year. Well, we have, in the last couple weeks, we have uh, made a bunch of movement on that brand uh, coalescing with the launch of a new product on Kickstarter, a bolt action pen, and to talk all about it, talk all about it this week and how that's going. We're going to give you the details of this product launch. Um, we're going to have a little bit of a longer episode today with Dave Recook, Dave's voice you've heard before, uh, actually talking about Modern Fuel in the past. Um, and uh, and Dave is the VP of new brands at uh, 4F400. So he has the task, the difficult job of getting our brands established and going. Dave, say hi to the people. Hello there. I'm super excited to be here with the new Modern Fuel launch. I'm currently telling anyone who will listen to me about it. So uh, totally, <laughs> totally down to tell the podcast audience all about it. Yeah, it's really exciting. So, okay, let's uh, let's pause right here. We'll give it a little bit of a break, have a little bit of an audio uh, bumper, but you can hear that Dave um, is excited about it. We're going to dive into everything related to an incredibly, in our view, very, very successful Kickstarter launch for the Bolt Action Pen and for what that means for the future of this brand. We're pumped about it. We're going to tell you a full breakdown of everything that happened in just a minute. We launched a product. It went well. We did it on Kickstarter, which we've never done at 4400 before. Um, let's maybe just start by telling people a little bit about, give people some context. So um, what is the product? What makes it different and unique? Why are we excited about that? Uh, why don't we start there? Why don't we start there? Uh, what, by the way, immediately just know in the show notes here, um, you've got a link to the Kickstarter in the show notes. So go check that out. And uh, if you are the kind of person who uh, wants to really follow along this journey, get up close and personal with it, it is for real that if you order that product, it will be the best price you will ever get on it um, by ordering now and you will get it way sooner than anybody else will. So if you go look at it, uh, I've never hard, tried to hard sell our products on the e-commerce podcast before, but Today's the day. Um, it is. It's really cool. So, um, so tell people what's cool about it. Yeah. Uh, so the this is the bolt action pen. It's actually on Kickstarter. We're calling it the adjustable slim adjustable bolt action pen. Um, so Andrew Sanderson is a a really masterful designer, uh, product designer, and product engineer. And um, bolt action pens kind of popped into popularity. Uh, within the last two to three years. And um, when Andy first introduced the concept to me, he even said, I'm thinking about titling this, not another bolt action pen, uh, because there, there's such been a deluge of bolt action pens on, on Kickstarter. 
Um, but so many of them share a lot of common traits. Uh, they're big and bulky. Um, they typically have a seam right in the middle, like a big, ugly seam right in the middle of the pen. Um, and they're just all things not modern fuel. The A lot of them glue on the pin to the bolt. Um, so in, in any case, there's a lot of non-modern fuel kind of aspects to the bolt action pen out there. But Andy saw it and said, you know, this is something I really want to make mine and uh, figure out how we can do this in a very modern fuel minimalist way uh, and keeping that kind of pen that is made to last a lifetime. Um, so the actual, to, to dial this back just a little bit, the actual bolt action mechanic. So what that means is it is literally like a bolt, like you you might be, you know, cocking a rifle, like a World War One style rifle. Um, so you push this little pin or bolt down a slide into a J hook. Um, and it hooks in, and that's actually just what is pushing the ink refill down into a spring and extending it from the, the tip of the pen. Um, so it's very basic from a mechanical function uh, perspective, um, but a really kind of simple, as we've put it, a simple, elegant mechanical function. Um, so it's, it's, a, it's really kind of prime for Andy to take it and make it uh, that minimalist look that he has and make it last, a, you know, 100 years or a lifetime or however you want to put that. Yeah. Uh, I love that. Um, it is cool. I mean, we know from friendship from Andy's friendship really with some other pen brands that just the bold action pen is this really popular pen in this space. And so that's one thing I think we're excited about in general with this brand. And you and I talk about this all the time, Dave, with our new brands in particular, that like part of the deal with establishing new brands is just sort of building out the product mix in general. Um, like I talked about this when I did my episode about sort of, I think 17 ways to help your revenue per click, but just basically like one of the keys to conversion rate is having the right products essentially on, on the page. It's not just adding products in general, but like if there is a customer who's looking, who loves modern fuel design, but really wants a bolt action pen. And there are certainly those customers we know for a fact, because if you read the comments on the Kickstarter, they've said, basically we've, we've been really excited about this. We love your stuff. We're really happy to support another thing. Um, and particularly the bolt action. So, so in the long run, this product launch fits really nicely with this goal of like sort of establishing the brand, which is what we are doing at this stage of the business, because what we think will happen in the long run is that a lot of customers who come to the modern fuel site as it currently is and see a click pen and really want to, you know, they really want a modern fuel pen because it's beautiful, amazing quality thing, but they don't, but they just like the click pens, it's not, not it. Well, the bolt action now kind of will allow us to activate a whole sort of new tranche of customers, basically, who otherwise we would not be able to, to sell a product to. Um, so uh, especially, you know, the pen space is, is um, I think there's stuff happening in it right now, but it's not a new space. You know, there's, there's, uh, there's, there's plenty of pens out there and, and sort of uh, high-end writing utensils. So, so for us to kind of fit that really fits nicely. So that's the obvious thing. You add this product with Andy's ability and there's just no substitute for great products as always. Like, I mean, it's really cool to see the comments. People, again, you go look at the Kickstarter. People are just like, like I said, they say, I've bought X, Y, and Z products from you before. There's yeah. only eight products on the site, it's, really. And I, and I would add that it's, it's the exceptional craftsmanship with, with the fact that it's, it's unique. Like there, there are not a lot of, there's a lot of people selling pens out there on the internet. There's not a lot of people selling you a pencil out there that's built to last 100 years and with interchangeable mechanisms. Like that's so, and actually to that point, 
so far on the site, Andrew, we've seen that the mechanical pencil is more of a draw because of its uniqueness than a click pen. Uh, the click pen is a lot more sort of commonplace. There's less unique about it. But I think the bolt action also very much scratches that itch of like, yes, of course, it's well made. Of course, it's, we executed on it well. It's designed really well. But it also just has something that has a little bit show stopping for those interested in a pen. You know? Yeah, man, that's so good. I think um, I think that's totally right. And uh, the mechanical pencil thing has always been interesting to me. I know when we launched ads, I think both of us expected that the pens would move more. Did we? Maybe you expect the pencils. I had, I had money on the pencil. Yeah, that's right. I just thought pen probably could just tap into a wider base. But I think yes. what you were on early is that the mechanical pencil design was is unique. Like you said, like there's is really really yeah. cool from an engineering perspective. So even if people are not, even if people are using pens way more than they're using mechanical pencils, there's just a sort of a something related to. Um, right. to that uniqueness in the mechanical pencil. So the bolt action really does scratch that same itch. Um, and that's, uh, yeah, that's really, really exciting. So for us, we can take, take things forward. Let, let's pause here for some metrics um, to talk about kind of where we've been and where we think we're going. I think we mentioned this before when we got modern fuel. Um, I've always said that it had done about a hundred grand the year before in revenue. Um, and I think that's about right. Although I don't know if that factors in all of the Kickstarter revenue that had been done before. It does not, but they didn't. But their kickstarters were pretty irregular. Like they would happen, you know, 2014 and then 2016. Like they were multiple years in between, so it wasn't something they yeah. could count on every year for revenue. Okay, so just so just around a hundred thousand dollar run rate, basically right. on the brand, maybe a little more. It's a big product drop moments. Um, we got the brand and pretty immediately saw some success to where, um, you know, we, we were starting to go ahead. Yeah, we immediately, we, actually, the problem is we blew out of the inventory we had immediately. Uh, by the end of yeah. October, we turned ads on in the middle of October, October 15th. And by the end of October, we were already stocking out of things. Yeah, it was just this crazy thing of like, turn on the ads and it worked. Um, yeah. Just kind of right away. Um, and so so that started to happen. And then now we've kind of been the last couple of months more on this sort of like 70, 80 grand a month pace, round a two to one MER. It's a little slowdown from where we've been, to be frank. Like we, we, we've kind of seen some stuff where we were going like, man, we really thought we had something a little bit crazier here, but still, you know, four months into running ads, we That's right. it felt more like a bump in the road than like a fundamental problem. Um, so, so we immediately saw a lot of success. Um, so give people now a sense of the Kickstarter launch and maybe fill in any other context for the metrics that you want to do? Like, what did we do day one on the Kickstarter bolt action? What, um, yeah, well, what do me, we expect me, to keep going forward? Yeah. Let me actually real quick, Andrew, let me just step it back once, one sec and give like the strategy behind why this Kickstarter was happening in March and why Kickstarter, you know, why not pre-sell it on the site? So I just want to do that because I've, I've been tweeting about this whole thing and a few people have asked me both those questions on Kickstarter. Yeah. Right. on Twitter. Um, so what the, the first, the first thing I want to talk about is like why Q1. Um, so I actually did choose this. Um, I want to say to my credit, I came up with this independently of Taylor. Um, even though Taylor also has uh, his four peaks, uh, theory, we just happen to have the same theories, uh, without talking about it. Um, so Taylor has this four peaks theory, uh, saying that brands that are really successful, Yes, you're going to cash in on Mother's Day or Father's Day or graduation season, your Q2 bump. And then, yes, you're going to cash in on your uh, your Q4 bump. So you get those two peaks during the year. Those are kind of gifted to you uh, by the seasonality out there. 
but really successful brands create another two peaks during the year. They create moments, whether it be product drops, community events, what, whatever they need to do to create those moments, they create those moments that are massive, as big as those peaks that you're getting for, you know, gifting in November, December, and as big as those peaks that you might get for uh, graduation, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Valentine's Day, depending on whatever your brand is. Um, so I, that was really what I was looking to do was create something counter cyclical that says like, Hey, we had a big moment in Q4. Now we're going into Q1 and things are going to be a little, little bit slow until we get into graduation and father's day season. So that was the big idea. Part of why I put a hard date on March saying, Hey, this has to happen by March, which I barely made the cutoff. We launched on March 28th. Uh, but I, I put that date out there saying, because I wanted real product in hand for the big rush in Q2. So the idea was create a peak in Q1, which is pre-selling, then have the real product in hand and go really hard with graduation day and Father's Day. That's great. I, I yeah. actually don't know if I've heard you say that. And that's that makes... I mean, I knew we were trying to create the counter-cyclical peak, yeah. um, but that's that's great. That's really smart. And, and, and I know we also have other stuff coming for Father's Day, but uh, especially when you think about sort of like the interest and the um, just the volume of traffic we're getting in the Kickstarter, um, and right. then even sort of the, um, the, even some of the PR and media kind of in the EDC pen space, like that we definitely, that we're grabbing right now is, is good lead up into that moment. And not to mention, it's just, I like going into, to a season with something brand new that is like, you don't have to just talk about the season. It's a new thing. There's a reason why you need to do it right now. Uh, there's some urgency behind it, that sort of thing. Um, so that's all behind that. Why do this in Q1? Um, now why pre-sell it? Um, first of all, with a big product drop like this, I knew I could build a lot of anticipation. Um, also we've seen, so the, the thing that Andrew Sanderson did do really well is that over the course of operating his brand over several years, he raised 500 grand on Kickstarter total across three different Kickstarters, one of them over $200,000. So if, if there was something to say that that Andy did really well, it was run Kickstarters and, and drum up tons of interest around a product launch. Um, so that was something that I knew that we could we could probably tap into. Um, a little bit of Andy's been there, done that, um, even on the marketing, uh, even though Andy will is a self-confessed product guy. Um, even on the marketing, there were there were things that we could learn from Andy and, and use his guidance. Because as you said, I haven't and, and you haven't, 4 by 400 hasn't done a Kickstarter yet. So we were able to tap into that uh, with Andy. Um, the great, great financial thing about this is it's a negative cash conversion cycle. You know, uh, there's been a lot of more, more of this finance talk on Twitter and people are starting to understand that, um, you've got to shell out all this money for inventory and then, you know, pay for it. And then you start getting, you start selling through the product and it's 90 days, 120 days before you ever get your money fully back. Um, and it's a lot of money to do that. So pre-selling this is awesome because, we're going to go raise $100,000, $200,000 on Kickstarter, and we just get a $200,000 check, and we haven't made anything yet. So we're getting that. That's great for cash flow. Uh, Say nothing of the fact that um, at this stage of a brand's life cycle with a right. new product, you have no idea how much. Uh, that's also a great sell. point. Like, what what are we going to go do? Build 2,000 units, and we have no idea, you know, uh, how, how this is, is that going to last us two years or two weeks? Like, we, right, like, right. Uh, two weeks is the answer, apparently. Um, right. So we'll get into that. But uh, so that, that's that's all the reasons why I wanted to pre-sell it. Now, Kickstarter again. I went back to it because it's familiar. Andy had done it, 
But there was another reason I wanted to go to Kickstarter. And, and this is a theory of mine, and I'm going to see how this plays out over the next 30, 60, 90 days, or even a year. Um, we, we, we talked about on the last episode of Modern Fuel how we are getting a pretty premium price point for these pens and pencils, $150 and $200 currently um, on the site. So I don't want percentage off on this site. I don't want dollars off. I don't want discounts. So Kickstarter was a brand safe way to run this at a dramatically lower price. We introduced the bolt action pen in stainless steel, bronze, and copper at $95 instead of 150 for only 50 units. So it was a way to drum up an insane amount of urgency, 50 units. I'll talk about this a little bit more when we talk about the timeline. That sold out in 10 minutes, 10 minutes that those lowest prices were gone. Unbelievable. But, but what I liked about Kickstarter there was I didn't want this on the modernfuel.com site selling at $95. I just didn't think that that was as brand safe from a pricing power in the future perspective. So it feels like a good way, an excuse almost, for me to have a sale on a product launch. Yeah. And so I think one of the most interesting things you did here was this issue of pricing. Um, Really fast, actually, before we go in to break that down more though. I do want to chase that down. Um, can you give people the basic sense? We're recording this on Tuesday of the week. This will be released. So this podcast will be released on Thursday. So we're, we'll be a little behind when you hear this about where the metrics are at, but you can go to Kickstarter and see from here. Um, can you give people the, the initial kind of launch and what we're seeing since then? Yeah, I actually took a couple quick notes, uh, timeline wise. So I can, I can give them almost the, the play by play on this. So, what happens with Kickstarter is Kickstarter has its own internal analytics, the Kickstarter tracking dashboard. Um, so there, and they use ref links to track that. So the reason why this is important is I can't generate Kickstarter tracking links until the project is live. Okay. So I promised everybody at noon Eastern time, this thing was going to go live, but I literally can't produce the tracking link for my SMS and email sends until it's live. So I kind of had to do a little bit like day of, like prep everything in advance and, and get it going. So that's a little bit of background, but the idea is at 11.45 Eastern time, I turned the Kickstarter on live just so I could start generating these tracking links, okay? So the SMS still wasn't going out till noon. Now, this part is a testament to Andrew Sanderson, okay? At 11.45, this went live and exactly, we have told exactly zero people about it. There's literally three people in the world, me, Andy, and Sadie, that knew this was live. And by the time we sent the SMS, we had already sold $8,500 worth of pens. It was people that were following Andy on Kickstarter, people that were refreshing the page, and people that got an alert because they were already tracking anything that Andy puts out. And if you think about it, I had... $2,400 from eight backers before I could generate the first ref link. There is no way they even, they had time to create an account. There's no way that they had time to watch up 30 seconds of that video. They were ready to buy anything Andrew put on the internet. And like, I, I really can't overstate this. That's just yeah, so unbelievable. I mean, th that means they saw bolt action pen, saw modern fuel, click buy. Boom. Done, done, yeah. done deal. Andy put it on the internet, I'm buying it. So, so I've, you know, 
I'm going to take credit for some things, but like, this is like wind at my back, like for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, from but, a product I mean, but the takeaway there is like, like just like not every product is like this product, right? But like right. the amount of like hours upon hours of problem solving that goes into for Andy as a product engineer with his products is like, I mean, it sounds crazy. We're talking about pens and pencils, but like, you know, this idea of sort of modern fuels and engineering art piece, the idea that you would just go over the top to make it perfect, not even really because it's functional. I mean, it is by nature of being what it is that makes it more functional, I guess. But like, that's not really the point, right? The point is that it's for the sake of spending the time making something perfect that's that's somebody that's can right. just appreciate and enjoy. That's really the, the right. sake of it. That's why I think art is kind of the right. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You need you need a higher level of appreciation beyond the strict function of the yeah. of the pen. Yeah, um, and that's definitely gone sure. into how we thought about marketing it too. But the yeah. the the notion, but you know, I think there is a thing here where it's like sometimes people bang their head against the wall, going like, "Why isn't this working? Why isn't this working?" And we thought about this thirty one bits and all kinds of stuff. It's just like, well, I mean, sometimes it's the product. Like sometimes yeah. it's just like the product is just great, and or it's not, and that's that. That's right. And product market fit is a gradient. You know, it's not a yes, no checkbox. And he's pretty far along on a scale from one to 10. Yeah, that's right. So we did $8,400, you said. $8,400 by noon Eastern time. Yeah. Without telling anybody about without it. Without telling anyone. By the t- we sent How many the orders? Um, you know how many I, I, don't, I honestly don't remember yeah. the orders. This was, okay, yeah, I, okay. I think I blacked out. It was everything that happened yeah. too fast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, we sent the SMS at exactly noon. I had it scheduled. Everybody prior to the event, we were telling them the SMS is going to be the very first to know. We're going to give you two hours advance warning. So at noon Eastern time, the SMS went out and everybody knew on our list, the earliest way to find out besides stalking Andy, apparently, uh, is is signing up for the SMS. So the SMS went out at noon. By 12.04, we hit our funding goal. Uh, So four minutes in, we hit our funding goal for $10,000. I set that intentionally low. Um, you know, as a, a goal that we hit, we we want the cash from Kickstarter. We're going to make this thing as long as we sell um, a decent amount of units. So 12.04, we hit that. Within 10 minutes of it, both the titanium and the uh, uh, st- stainless steel, bronze and copper it, initial low offerings that we had where it was 50 units of each, so 100 total units. Within 10 minutes of the SMS, those were sold out. Those were gone. And within 20 minutes of the SMS, we'd hit $20,000 in funding. So yeah, $1,000 a minute for the first 20 minutes. That was unbelievable. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, so 20,000, yeah. Okay, so, so just right away, seeing huge value there. Um, and then at the end of the day, um, where did we land kind of all in there? So by the end of the day, uh, in the Kickstarter dashboard, it was 66,000. Um, p- part of what isn't in the Kickstarter dashboard is um, is shipping. So we were charging $5 US and $10 international. Um, so per Google Analytics, we ended up with uh, just shy of 71,000 uh, for the day. Um, yeah, so pretty pretty incredible first day. So I knew, I knew the first day was going to be, a, a lot of the pricing strategy around the first day was to drive urgency um, so that, that I could get, push people into the SMS subscriptions and to strongly, strongly, strongly incentivize the purchase from more than one unit. So when I when I went back and I did analysis on Andy's previous Kickstarters, 
The thing that stuck out to me, he ran three Kickstarters and the most successful one was his Pencil 2.0 Kickstarter. So he released the Pencil as a 1.0, then he releases a 2.0, a better version of it. The most successful one was that 2.0 Kickstarter uh, for the Pencil. The reason was 55% of what he raised was on people backing rewards for more than one unit. So it's basically 55% of the revenue was from bundling, you know, put, put simply. He, he launched the click pen later. I honestly think if he had a better bundling approach, he probably would have raised like another 40,000 or something like that. Um, so a lot of my strategy was around urgency on the pricing and, and pushing people upwards into multiple units. Um, and so far that's worked. We have uh, an average backing of $164, um, even yeah. though the, the pricing was as low as a hundred bucks. That's awesome. Um, um, yeah. So first day, uh, 71 per Google analytics. Um, the second day we knew this was going to be, you know, a big drop in the, um, organic revenue. Um, but we still came in at 19,000, um, in, in revenue, according to, again, going back to Google analytics. So it includes the shipping revenue. Um, what was our cyber Monday? Our cyber Monday was 17. Yeah. So we beat cyber Monday on day two, once we had already gone through the initial launch. Um, and our Cyber Monday, did we do a 20% off offer or something like that? What was, we did do a 20% off offer. Yeah, we did like a Monday. one day only during Black Friday, Cyber Monday weekend. Yeah. And at the time. So, I mean, so that felt really good, right? So you've got product launch, certainly with a discount. Uh, and it, we should compare apples to apples there. There's a reality, there's a discount there. Um, but it's very different than, you know, just straight up discounting on the site. Like like Dave said, I think in a lot of ways um, and sort of speaks to this idea of a new brand, new product, that sort of thing. So, yeah. So, okay. So we we... We're in good shape there. And then, okay, keep going. Sorry, Dave. Yeah, that's all right. So one of the things that excited me the most about the, uh, so it was 19,800 uh, for the second day per Google Analytics again. Um, so one of the things that excited me the most about that was um, I, I told the team I was equally excited about day two as I was day one. And the reason was of that 19,800, $5,600 of it was revenue that can be directly attributed to ads that we were running. So I, I usually, um, back when I was on, on the agency side, I would talk to clients about uh, kind of two different forms of marketing, one being a rocket ship and one being a plane. So the the concept of the rocket ship is it's going to burn hot and fast and run out and you run out of propulsion. So you get everything that you can out of it and then and then you're done. So think big PR event, big placement, you know, big launch. Okay. And the email list and the SMS list for this product is definitely has that rocket ship component. It's going to burn hot and fast, and then it's going to burn out. And what are we going to do from day three to 30? Okay. The paid advertising is the plane. Okay. It's the jet engine that can keep propelling itself as long as you're keeping it uh, fueled. So the idea here is I'm super excited looking at that 5,600 saying, hey, we just turned ads on. We turned ads on late day one. Uh, in fact, our ads didn't even get approved on day one. So our ads started running uh, later that day. Um, so we had a total of $5,600 in ads, in ad revenue on day two. So if you look at that over a course of 30 days, that's $150,000 you could pull in just from ads on a really, really strict type of attribution. So that to me says, hey, not only are you sitting around you know, $85,000 on this Kickstarter, $90,000 on this Kickstarter, but we have an engine to actually produce significantly more revenue over the next 28 days. And that's a crucial point because 
you have told me that you expect the revenue on a Kickstarter to be U-shaped in terms of like yeah, if you graphed it over right. the course of the 30 days that, that the front end would be really high and then it would come down mm-hmm. a little bit to kind of a resting place, sit at the trough for most of the campaign. Yes. And the last couple of days, while people it's kind of where there's some urgency for before it runs out, yeah, uh, you'll see another bump at the end. Uh, and so if we can make that trough high, that's so right. that um, even at its lowest point, it's not very low. Um, and that's really awesome. And that's the plane you're speaking about where you're running with ads. And that, those ad metrics are ridiculous right now. Oh yeah. The, the ad metrics on, on day two. So we're, we're running ads and we also have a partner, uh, gel up that, uh, is running ads. So we pulled, we pulled gel up in for, for two reasons. One, they have a good amount of proprietary data owned audiences that they can advertise against. And two, they have proprietary analytics set up where they're able to track significantly more going through the Kickstarter system than we do. Other than that, at the end of the day, it's both of us working in an ad account. So I'm I'm primarily looking, I'm primarily working on in Facebook, just driving clicks to the site and I'm using Kickstarter's dashboard and analytics combination of that to attribute revenue back to those ads. Um, so for the typical DTC marketer, that's relatively uh, flying blind. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty light in terms of attribution. So even with that, and, and really thus, scant- thus me, thus me telling you, uh, and Vince working on the ads, you had said something about a detail of attribution at some point in a dashboard. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, I kind of don't have time to go look through all this. Uh, just tell me. And I bet you and Vince have it correct because yeah, it's like, I, I trust you. Yeah. 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 I totally trust right. two of you. So it's just like, just tell me what happened afterwards. And yeah. I bet you're thinking about it correctly because it's definitely different than what we usually see. So on day two, we get $5,600 in revenue and we were pulling a 4.3 ROAS, which is like insane to me. I'm over the moon um, it, via this, this strict form of, uh, of attribution. And our partner Jellop is pulling a ROAS of nine. Um, so it, just an insane return on ad spend uh, on day two. And, and honestly, I, you know, I said, the volume's not bad. I'll take $5,600 all the way through the end of yeah, this for ad revenue. That's fine with me. Um, so yeah, that definitely got me the most excited, uh, today I can, I can refresh real quick and tell you where we're sitting. We're sitting somewhere around $6,000 of revenue so far today. Um, our ads are still firing. We're running at something like a a four again today, um, at more volume. I'm, you know, bidding, bidding this up and up. Um, tell me, tell me like where, um, are we supporting that on the site? Other email, other SMS, like give yeah, what besides the ads, what are we doing to support the airplane? Yeah, so so we will be supporting this more on the site. And this comes down to the reality of just being in the trenches running a DTC brand and actually multiple DTC brands. Um, so we we did not receive the prototypes until um I think I want to say it was 10 days before the Kickstarter. So we had to get video done. We had, I mean, renders we had in advance, but we had to get photography done. And then ultimately we had to take those assets and then turn them into final finished product by launch. So the website updates were left on the cutting floor. They were just non-critical path, right? Like we we can't screw up the actual Kickstarter page launch. Totally. We can't yeah. screw up the ad units, et cetera. So the plan on site is that the homepage is going to switch out. Um, and, and talk about the new bolt action pen release. It's going to have a link to a product detail page that replaces the add to cart or buy button with a button that says pre-order on Kickstarter. 
because per Kickstarter, they have to be the exclusive seller for the 30 days that it's running. And we wouldn't want to do anything else otherwise. It's, you know, spreading yourself out uh, in terms of your efforts. Um, you do, you really do want to go into Kickstarter there. So the idea there is any anybody browsing on the Modern Fuel site will still get a very branded Modern Fuel experience. They'll get transparency to the fact that uh, the item is usually priced at $150 or $200, and they'll get a button that links them to pre-order on Kickstarter, and they'll see all the pricing on Kickstarter that is dramatically uh, reduced, um, and they'll see the success that we've had so far. Yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of how people mm-hmm. move from different traffic sources and such move from homepage to Kickstarter yeah. and back, yeah. actually. One thing I'm curious about is just, surely we will get some little bits of attribution from Kickstarter ads where people will also go and buy on our site, which will just be gravy. I'm oh, not, totally. I'm not banging yeah. on that, but it's going to happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So there's a lot more to say. I mean, there's a lot of basic ways that we're supporting this in terms of, um, in terms of, you know, email and the website, like you said, you know, social, all that kind of stuff. But, um, but um, there's a couple of things that I love that you did to make this happen. And this is definitely exceeding our expectations. We know, I know that these numbers are not insane, insane, insane numbers, but for us, relative to the size of the brand, they're really strong. Um, you know, uh, so tell me about, um, the pricing strategy a little bit more and the, and particularly the idea of tiered pricing and sort of creating urgency on Kickstarter, why somebody should pre-order on Kickstarter and deal with shelling out their money now and, and waiting months and months for a product to be delivered to them. You know, uh, you know, talk about how you incentivize that. Yeah, definitely. And so in general, Kickstarter does, does introduce some discounting. People are looking for a discount for the fact that they're going to fund you before this thing really exists. Um, So we do have prototypes and we've been through the ringer in terms of making these. Um, The actual construction of them or process of creating them is not all that much different from uh, from the the pens and pencils that we have so far. Obviously, it's different parts going into this and uh, it needs attention to detail to produce it. But uh, because of that, our audience is pretty well they, they believe strongly that we're going to be able to produce on the, f- the final product. Uh, we've developed a reputation of being able to do that. So because of the fact that we are a, you know, serial Kickstarter, I would say that reputation hurdle is significantly lower than a first time. Uh, you know, there's a lot of videos out there where a first time Kickstarter really has to talk about like, no, we've thought this through. We have the right team. Don't worry. We have the right partner. I really have to do a lot less allaying of fears the reputation Andy has speaks for itself. You can go to the comments section of the Kickstarter page and it's all people just raving about uh, previous Kickstarters, you know, for the most part, uh, a couple of them bringing up, uh, it's a public way where they can bring up, you know, complaints that they have or, you know, really want to be heard or things like that. So those are always going to be peppered in there. But overall, the uh, the reputation that Andy's developed on this is is exceptional. So that's less of a hurdle for us. Um, but the, the pricing structure is definitely, uh, definitely interesting on Kickstarter. And I really think that this is, it's probably a a great idea for, uh, DTC people to take this and think about how they could apply this to site, because I really think that the way Kickstarter functions, I would probably, even if I ran something like this on site, I would try to mimic a lot of the, the behavior here. So the way this works on Kickstarter is, um, any of your backers, choose a reward, choose a a specific reward, and you can set a quantity limit on that reward. So basically I opened up with uh, two different rewards for the single units. So we have basically the the other, which usually sell at 150 on the site. So it's stainless steel, bronze, copper, 
and they're opening up at $95 and it's a limit of 50 backers who can get that. And I'm opening up titanium because titanium is just almost as popular as the other three. You know, we sell 40, 50% of titanium. People really dig that uh, metal um, at 125 for 50 backers. Okay. So those are the two offers that sold out in like, what did I say? Four minutes, 10 minutes. It was one of those. Um, yeah. Fast. I think you uh, said. 10 minutes. It was 10 minutes. Yeah. So they sold out. In fact, honestly, if I could redo it, I probably would. I want it to sell out fast. I don't think I really want it to sell in 10 minutes. Like that's uh, people could have been on our SMS list and not gotten that. I really would have rather that been 75 units, like 20, 30 minutes would have been fine with me. But so hindsight, I would probably drive that number up a little bit higher than I did initially. But so I have those single units and then I have four different versions of the way you bundle this. So do you want two of the, the call it the other metals? That's one. I priced that out and I, and I put 75 units there. Do you want one titanium and one other? Okay. I press that out. I put another 75 units. And again, this is an escalating percentage off. So um, it, it, all, of the, all of the bundles are better priced as we get to larger and larger bundles uh, from a percentage off perspective. Um, so I have you know, two of the other, one of a titanium, one of the other, two titanium, and then a collector set, which is one of each. So those are the four bundles. And there are, you know, there are questions, there are odd circumstances where people want, you know, additional one. We just tell them, you know, add another $95 or add another 105 to your backing and, and we'll complete it in a survey after the fact. But the way I broke this out in a, in a pricing sheet is I had set up four different stages um, where basically when I complete stage one for any one of these given offers, we replace it with the next stage offer for that particular item. So for instance, when I sell out of the titanium one unit, I replace it with the next stage of phase offer for titanium only. All the other offers stay the same, only that one gets replaced. So the idea here is I knew the single units and I even, uh, the way I uh, allocated units, I allocated only 50 of the single units and 75 to the bundles, even though I knew the bundles are less popular. That means that, and every time I move to the next stage, I'm moving up the pricing on that single unit by $10 and then the bundles accordingly. Um, so the titanium sells out, goes from 125 to 135, okay? And so at 135, titanium is already in phase two, but you can get a titanium and an other at 195. Chip in another 60 bucks and get an other, even though the price of that other single unit is already now 115 because that's already sold out. So the bundles get further and further behind and look like better and better offers, you know, as, as we're going. So I used those lead products as a, a big urgency driver. Hey, sign up for SNS. You got to show up at exactly noon. Otherwise you're not going to get these best offers. And then we sold out of them quickly and we're moving on and, and you're still getting good offers, $10 up on, on those single units. But those bundles keep looking better and better, man. You know, a collector set at 360 when you're already spending 150 for a titanium really starts to look really good. Yeah, no, no question. I mean, I think it's just this reminder of like the value here uh, is so, um, like it's so important to tie your marketing thinking here to... Um, uh, to the pricing directly to think about how you want pricing to affect people's behavior. It's sort of, I, I still think price is one of the least considered 
elements of a lot of people's marketing is they just are not thinking very well about how price is going to move people in certain directions and um, and how you display that. Now, nice thing, one of the nice things about Kickstarter is that it displays really nicely um, so that customers can see that. Um, and yeah, Dave, could you um, maybe even make sort of that sheet that you just talked through available to people so people could see kind of exactly what that breakdown is? Like, can we put that yeah. in the show notes? Yeah, definitely. And and I I, I changed it slightly. The, one of the changes slightly is like the quantities I'm slightly adjusting live because for instance, I when the email went out at 2 p.m., I didn't want to be in the third phase of the single units already. Like it was okay that we sold out of the first phase, but it's not okay that we're already, you know, two, three phases later because just because we're crushing it over the two hour period, I still wanted my email subscribers to get a good offer. So I would encourage people to plan like this, but then adjust the quantities. I'll, I'll release it as the original, uh, but the, the quantities and, and, and some of that have been played with throughout the, the process. And that's, that's such an important thing to think about too, because part of the deal you in the midst of all of this is that you're actually nurturing a community around the product and the brand. And that has massive implications in the long run as well. Cause right, this is all nice right now what's happening, but the way this really matters to us in the long term is that we're able to take moments like this, build real enthusiasm and excitement around the brand and equity in the brand for customers that we can then um, keep engaging with in the longer term. So that there is really a community of sort of like, um, really, really excited, avid fans of this brand who, who come out of this really, really pumped up. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that there's this, um, there's this element of sort of short-term, long-term thinking and all this It's really important. I, mean, when, I remember when you said on Slack that like, Hey, I'm going to actually extend this next tier. So the email people get there. I thought, man, that's so smart because you want to make sure those people feel special in some way, though, not as special as the SMS people, um, and all that. So you use pricing to, um, move, create urgency on buying early. You use pricing to push people up into larger bundles. Um, I love that. I think um, uh, there's another element here, which is that SMS list. I think uh, I think that is a um, its own little really interesting thing. Can you tell people how they opted into that list and then how that list performed so that we can talk just a little about like, who yeah. is that? Who is the SMS yeah. list and why you keep talking about why that's so important? Yeah, I, I definitely will. So, I, I mean... As DTC marketers, we all know that the deliverability that we're getting out of emails is continually in decline. It's harder and harder to reach people's inboxes. Uh, people are getting more and more oversubscribed to email, and it's just more and more difficult to continue reaching their inboxes. So the SMS subscription is a, a high intrusion type subscription. They, your customer has to trust you that you're not going to start spamming me via text, that I'm going to value the text that you send me. So it has to be a high degree of trust for that. But if there is the high degree of trust, the opt-in to it, an SMS uh, subscription can be incredibly valuable. So, and actually to that point, uh, very quickly about the trust before I dive into some of the mechanics or some of the technical uh, approach to this, a lot of, a lot of being a brand is simply building trust by delivering on your promise. By delivering on your promise of the product, by delivering on your promise of the experience, by delivering on your promise of what a launch looks like. So for six weeks prior, I, I built up all sorts of anticipation for this. I started leaking little tidbits. I started leaking backstory of uh, Andrew's de design philosophy as he went into this. And every single time for six weeks, I had a button that said sign up for alerts and it did three things. One, on clicking the button, you automatically got added to a bolt action segment inside Klaviyo. 
All right. So these are people self-identifying that they're interested in Kickstarter. And so, to, and, and even just early product development, like they're interested in a product release. So I can go ahead and use that in the future. If we're going to build a Facebook group that does more, uh, you know, building in public, who would be most interested? That segment, that's going to be the most interested segment. Let's actually pause there. Cause it's something we've talked about. One yeah. thing we've talked about is the idea of like some of the super fans of this brand might be really interested to watch Andy solve all those problems I was talking about earlier and to have him jump on a video and say, Hey, here's, Hey, let me show you guys. I, I did this and da, 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 and, and, uh, and here's all the mechanical thought work that went into this. You guys check it out. Any thoughts, any other ideas, you know, source product ideas, like all those kinds of things from people who are super engaged and who want to come kind of closer to this thing that is, is really unlike a lot of other products in the space. And if you, if you are an appreciator of, again, if you sort of think about this as sort of an art analogy, if you're an appreciator of this form, basically, you might want to get really close to see what's happening and and um, and kind of geek out over it. So um, that totally. stuff is fun. Like I, I, you know, I'm I'm like that with stuff that I'm interested in. I want to see what's going on up close. You know, so um, so yeah. So we've thought about that. Now we have this perfect seed audience to go to if we ever want to go make that happen. Here are the people who are most interested right away. We know exactly who you are. Right. Exactly. So, so that's, that's a high engagement list that is, that is saying I'm interested in early, early product development. I'm interested in the launch of this product. I like this backstory. I want more of that. Um, so that, that's a nice thing for us to segment in inside Clavio. It's not a new to file subscription. There really isn't much I can do with that in terms of escalating what I'm going to tell you. Maybe I can segment me messages a little bit. So it has some ongoing value, but not, not massive. When you click that button, you landed on a page that basically split two different CTAs now. It said, thanks for signing up. You're going to receive Kickstarter alerts. So don't worry, you're going to receive, receive Kickstarter alerts. We you know, confirm that subscription. And then two things. One, by the way, if you want to be the very first to know, sign up for our SMS, tap right here. And we had the PostScript uh, integration so that if they were on a mobile device, they didn't even have to enter their, their phone number. They just tapped and hit allow and it, it opted them in. Um, so we said, hey, if you sign up for SMS, we will let you know. You'll know two hours before everyone else. And these, these incredible deals that will literally never be seen again, you'll have first crack of them. So we said that. Again, that was on the landing page. Whenever anybody clicked the CTA from an email for the last six weeks while we were hyping up this Kickstarter, that was on the landing page again and again and again. And we kept reiterating it in the email as well. Sign up for SMS. This is the way that you know the first Get in on the offers. This is the only way to be secure with that. Okay, so we sent that SMS basically the moment that it went live, even though That's right. some people came and found us before we ever sent that text us. So, what, so that it kind of comes back to what we were saying earlier, which is like there's this group of people who were buying even before the text went out. Uh, and yeah, so, and, so the, and the whole point of the text group was like, you're the first to know, but right, some people just right. had clearly marked it for themselves separately. You know, they just, they already yeah. knew. Like, and, and this is, this is funny. Like it's, I mean, it's 1145 and I'm like, Andy, you got to turn this thing on because I literally don't know the Kickstarter dashboard. I literally don't know where to generate a ref link. I don't know how I need 15 minutes. I don't know where is, I don't like, I don't know how to do this. So I have to go find this. Otherwise I could turn it on two minutes beforehand if I actually knew what this was going to look like. But I honest to God needed 15 minutes to just <laughs> antiquate time. myself. Yeah. Just, just, just to, to, to get my footing there and generate the ref link. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, okay. So I love that list. 
Email comes out after that, basically, is another way. Yeah, to so do email this. email comes out at two p.m. So I, I, the one thing I do regret, I really didn't need to space it two hours. I, if I could do it again, I would space it one hour. Um, the the SMS people grabbed what they needed to grab so fast that uh, I could have sent the email at one o'clock, and that was going to be plenty of time. Yeah. Um, I didn't I didn't want to put too much pressure on SMS, but in the future, one hour would be totally fine. We do. What was the click through rate on the SMS we had? Oh, that that's okay. So the SMS click through rate was eighty nine percent. I mean, that's the, that tells yeah. you how engaged that list is. And I mean, and, again, like, like, like sometimes people hear metrics like that and it's, you have to think about the causality here. Like right. there's a couple of reasons that the number gets so high. One of them is that the delivery system, like Dave said, the SMS, like a text gets to people's phone and they have their phone on them. The, it's, it's, it's not getting stuck in a promotions folder somewhere. Like, you know, it's like, they're getting notified. It comes and and there it is right there, right? So the delivery system is part of it, but also you don't get 89% engaged, like click-through rates unless the list is super engaged. That's part of the deal here too. That's right. the, the people have self-selected as the most interested parties. That's right. And I don't anticipate 89% in the future, Andrew. Don't hold my performance to that in the future. Oh no, that's um, your, that's clearly I, your Q2 goal is going to be something around that. that. Your bonus will be based bit. on that. That yeah. may slip a tad. But uh, so actually talking about like trust and delivering exactly what we promised, right? Like, so six weeks, we're telling you to opt into the SMS list. I didn't send a single SMS until the day before. And the day before at exactly noon to say that in exactly 24 hours, we're going to go live. We sent an email, we sent an SMS that says, hey, we're going to be going live in exactly 24 hours. You're going to have two hours in advance of everybody else because you, you signed up for this list. Let me know if you have any questions. Uh, you know, you can text me or just email me at you know Kickstarter at modernfuel.com. And we sent that out. That was just the, the, the one prep message. And then the live message was like the bolt action Kickstarter's live clicker. <laughs> it was the most basic. I mean, that's it, right? So easy. That's all. I mean, you've already prepped them. Like they're gonna get the brand on the site. Just make it simple, make it easy, communicate directly, just go. People have said I want to know about the product, tell them about the product. It's kind of like that. Right. Um, I love what we did on the ad side. Um, I, I think it's interesting to see sort of what ads are winning and working. The thing that's fascinating to me is that the ad that is working best right now is, and we should put this in the show notes as well, um, is, um, a link to this ad is, I think it's still the one that's working best is the one that's just literally the bolt action, like mechanism on the outside. Um, the, the, the actual bolt itself that you used it to. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so we, we, we have two running, which is just, it's, it's a render of the bolt action being snapped into place, like doing that J and reversing and doing it for like 20 seconds. <laughs> it's literally just like a loop uh, of, and it says uh, the bolt action mechanic is incredibly satisfying or unbelievably satisfying. I forget what the exact headline is on it. Uh, but we'll it's funny though, because it is really satisfying and it's like, it's such a simple way to handle the ads, but it's true. It's that simple. It's like people love having like, a little something to play with, with a pen. Everybody's done that, right? You sit there with a pen in your hand, you click it on and off or whatever. And hey, look, this one is incredibly well-made and you could do this for forever and it will always work and be awesome, basically. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I think it's so simple that like, that is the appeal to this product to some degree. Yeah, and well, I mean, a lot of the bolt action pens even go by the nickname of fidget pens because the clicking it into place is like obsessive. Like a lot of people just sit there and click it into place over and over. It's just a really satisfying movement. So I just tapped into that and said, our bolt action pen is incredibly satisfying and it just shows the movement over and over. The other one still leads with 
uh, so we have two videos running that are doing exceptionally well, um, near 3% click through on the, on the videos. That's really all the metrics I can I actually know. I wish I knew more net metrics. I don't really know what happens when they go to. Yeah. The, the attribution strategy. <laughs> Besides the fact that a good amount of them are buying. Right. Um, but the, the other one is just the same thing for about two seconds. And then it goes into a shortened down video of Andy talking about the, uh, we call it an explainer video. So it's basically the same video that we have on the, on the Kickstarter page. The one on the Kickstarter page is about three minutes and has lots of language like I'd like to thank my backers and you know here we are on Kickstarter. So the the ad just cuts out any of that particular language around uh, Kickstarter itself. Awesome, yeah. Um, all right, well, uh, there's a lot to love here. I think probably all in. Do you have a do you have a mental projection, Dave, of where you where you think this Kickstarter is going to take us to, and then can you compare that to what we had forecasted? Like give, give a ballpark of where you think the final revenue is going to go versus what we had forecasted. Yeah, I mean, I, I put together a forecast this morning. And one other thing that I am anticipating is um, we're anticipating to get about 20% on the upsell. Um, so we're going to use a platform called CrowdOx. Um, so whatever metric you guys see in Kickstarter, first of all, we're getting about, say, 6% in shipping or so. And then we're anticipating probably about a 20% bump from upsell. Um, at the end. And we've already had multiple people ask us, can I get a matching pencil? Can I get a matching pen? Uh, meaning from our you know standard product catalog. So we're going to take the moment and upsell that. Again, this is all done in a really private way. Like it's a survey, it's an email link. It's not very public. So the fact that I'm, I'm going to offer or match a price, I think this is there's no more brand safe way to do that. Um, you know, it's, it's basically like behind closed doors almost. And just say, we appreciate you backing our project and exactly. being a part of the community exactly. and here's a special offer for you. Yeah. So, so I think that we're going to wind up somewhere around uh, $200,000 in revenue. Um, I mean, you know, th these projections still have like huge error bars uh, on, on both sides. Um, but, you know, we're close to, uh, we're over 90,000 now. I think we're over 95 in Google Analytics. Uh, so we're at about 100,000. So it's pretty safe that we'll be you know, 150 is very safe, uh, probably going to be hitting 200. And I think, you know, 250 or 300 is very possible depending on how these ads go in the, yeah. um, you know, the day three through 30. Plus there's going to be, you know, revenue on site in the midst of all that too, you know, maybe 90 or 100,000 over the month as well. Um, how does that go? How does that fit with what you had forecasted for this um, launch? Yeah, what I forecasted was, Rob, I have no idea, because Rob is our uh, operations <laughs> guy who has to make everything a reality. So I said, Rob, I have no idea. It could be anywhere from $50,000 to $250,000. Um, so I would say it's at the very higher end of the range um, for what I expected. I will say that you know part of the reason I built the pricing structure the way it was is I looked at Andy's previous Kickstarters, and I saw that a lot of it came from his previous backers and previous customer files. So I had that at my back, and I said, no matter what, I'm going to maximize the value of that. And then whatever happens, happens on what we get from media placements and what we get from paid advertising and what we get from Kickstarter discovery. Like that's out of my control. But what is in my control is absolutely squeezing every dollar I can out of upselling uh, our existing customer base and, and really smashing that. Awesome. Well, it's pretty exciting. Um, I'm, I know, uh, you know, we are all following along closely. I, I, uh, I have gotten into a pretty good habit of mostly not working on Sundays at this point. I really try to take that day with my family and, um, you know, kind of have 
life disciplines, spiritual practices, those sorts of things that are all there and like really take a breath from work as much as I possibly can. I uh, broke that rule this last Sunday when we released that. I was like all over Slack, just watching the Kickstarter refreshing and everything because uh, it was just really fun to see. It was really fun to see all of that and to just kind of, especially like as the guy who had almost nothing to do with any of this, and it was all happened behind me or behind the scenes without, without me seeing it. And, and to just kind of cheer people on and go like, man, great job. Cause, cause it's, it's really, really impressive. Uh, and it's really fun to think about customers who are going to get this product and just be super, super excited about it. We will actually deliver on that promise. And um, it's fun to make stuff that people love. It just is. Um, so, yeah. So Dave, um, awesome job. Um, hey, uh, I think that is all we're going to uh, have for this episode. Um, but uh, any last thoughts that people you want to just kind of take away for people from on the Kickstarter type stuff? No, I mean, you know, the only thing I would offer out is that like, uh, is the mental component for this, for those that are founders that are listening, um, like we're, I'm crazy excited and I can't be anything but excited because we're on day three here and we're doing fantastic. But the truth is that I was worried a lot going to the Kickstarter. I was really worried that we were going to pull off a $40,000 Kickstarter and now it just like fell on its face. And, and uh, you know, I, I really had significant concerns about that. And Andrew also brought up like that there, you know, from second half of February to first half of March, I was really struggling on ads. Um, we did great in, in January. We did, you know, great, even the first half of February. Um, and we picked it up again in the second half of March. And part of that was ad testing. But the, the reality here is like, again, we were probably on here for like an hour being really excited and things went really well, but like, you know, two weeks ago, I was really struggling like with the brand. I'm saying like, did I just break it? Am I going to have to drop prices? Like, is my strategy good? And like second guessing yourself a dozen different times. So I would definitely say that, you know, while we were on here for, like I said, about an hour, almost gloating or being extremely happy about this, right? Like the reality now, telling is- Telling people the playbook is what we were doing, Dave. We were yeah, we're t- we that's were- right, that's right. <laughs> but, but all the way through Saturday, I was like worried sick. Um, you know, and this is going into what I would classify as like, you know, top 10% of outcomes that I could have imagined uh, for, for this uh, after running the numbers. So for those that are going through this, the reality of day to day is not sunshine and roses. Um, so that's really the last parting thought I want to give because we that's, have been super upbeat on this. I, I mean, that's where I like to, to know you are just the, with a crippling fear of failure that keeps you motivated to, uh, you know, yeah, that's how you like to keep me, right? Like, yeah, that's right. On the, yeah. on the edge. <laughs> that's the general like management style of forever hundred is like everybody who reports to you has the same fears, right? They've just, that they all, they know that's that right. you're going to just bring the absolute hammer if anything goes wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, actually one, I do have one last question, which is, um, in the midst of this, there was some conversation around the possibility of if things went well enough, shaving your head. Uh, so is that going to happen? No, uh, very, very good question. Very important question for the listeners out there. <laughs> crucial, I, will crucial not, I will not be shaving my head. Uh, maybe I'll dump like Gatorade over myself if we have like <laughs> a 250 or something like, you know, like Super Bowl, uh, celebration style, but, uh, not shaving my head. I am having a baby boy in may and my wife would murder me uh in sleep if i <laughs> was bald for baby pictures yeah maybe instead of then you dumping gatorade yourself maybe what will happen is like we'll do this like actual like team and coach style like somebody will fly to your house and just one day when you least expect it show up with a big 
bucket of cold Gatorade and just dump yeah. it on. <laughs> I think this sounds like a great use of resources. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. You have uh, heard it all. Uh, everything we have to say about uh, product launch and Kickstarter. I'm sure there's a lot we could have done better. There always is. And uh, that's, of course, one of the things that keeps us um, all fun uh, is that just uh, there's always ways to keep improving. Um, but uh, you get another glimpse into the mind of, of Dave Cook there and his um, strategic brilliance. I just love the thoughtfulness around every single part of how we make this happen. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure he's got notes somewhere around um, kind of how to do it better next time. If you would like to um, hear more from Dave, he's a great Twitter follower, uh, great Twitter Twitter follow. He's a good Twitter follower too, but he's a good Twitter follow. He'll retweet, you know. Uh, he's a good uh, Twitter follow at uh, David Recook or Dave Recook? Dave Recook. Dave, okay, yeah. I mean, go by Dave. But yeah, at Dave Recook. Just put it in the show notes. Nobody's going to be able to spell Recook. <laughs> R-E-K-U-C, it's that easy. Um, but yeah, we can put that in the show notes as well. Give him a follow. Um, and if you would like to reach out on any possible, uh, with any feedback, any thoughts, anything like that, you can email podcast at 4x400.com. I read all those. Um, or uh, even better, DM me on Twitter at Andrew J. Ferris. Would love to, um, to interact with you there. And if you did like this, if it was helpful to you, the most helpful thing you can do to say thanks. Uh, first of all, some of you have said thanks to me, which I um, really sincerely appreciate. We really love to provide um, some help to people who are getting after it like this. Um, and uh, But if you want to say thanks um, beyond that, um, you can always send this to a friend, somebody who is also working in e-commerce somewhere who might like this and use it. Uh, we always appreciate that a lot. Or of course, rate and review in all the relevant places. So uh, thanks very much for listening. We'll be back at it next week and we'll talk to you then.